Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon. And transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite. You are listening to Omega Man Radio Network. With Shannon Davis. Welcome aboard. We're going to kick off our broadcast here today on Wednesday, December 14th, 2022, with a very special broadcast. We've got Master, uh, excuse me, Pastor Michael Cummins coming to you from England, and welcome. Where are you tuning in from today? Brother Michael, how you been since last time? Well, not too bad. We've had a, we've had a lot of snow since I last spoke to you, so it's very cold in England at the moment. Wow. I tell you. So I'm sure it's warm where you are. Yes, sure it is. I hope you have a good. fireplace or some uh, good heat in that house. No, we just have central heating now. It's boring. The old days of open fires have gone in England now. We've got central heating now. <laughs> I like those old fireplaces, I tell you. Um, so the old song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, welcome. Brother Michael, you want to open us in prayer this morning? Yes, certainly. Dear Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray for everyone listening to this program. We pray that they will all be touched by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And if they have any personal problems in their life or have any demonic suppression, we break it now. We command Satan to leave. He has no power or authority over God's believing Christians. So we pray that everyone will be touched today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I say amen to that. That's a great opening today for this program. And Brother Michael, the mic is yours. Take all the time you want. Thank you very much. Well, welcome all those listening online. Today we're going to be talking about Jesus' encounters with the demonic and how he approached those encounters and what the outcome was. One thing I can tell you now, Jesus has never lost a battle. God has never lost a battle. So you will always be victorious 
with Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bibles with you, and I ask you to excuse the noise, if you're any noise, it's just me uh, flicking the pages of my Bible. We're going to be looking at Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17. When you're in the deliverance field, you must always be prepared for the battle. You should make preparation. In my case, uh, you should pray, you should seek the Lord, you should take communion. But in this case, as we read Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said, Permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. The Holy Trinity was present at Jesus' baptism. The Father speaking from heaven, Jesus himself in the water, and the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord descended upon him like a dove so he was prepared for what laid ahead now we know that john the baptist said why are you coming to me i need to be baptized by you but it shows the humility of jesus that he went to be baptized by john the baptist now we go on and in a short time we start reading from matthew 4 verses 1 to 11 this is what happened. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up in an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and administered to him. Amen. So Jesus was led up by the Spirit. He was filled by the Holy Spirit. And he's gone into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This was all part of God's plan because he had to overcome the evil that was in the world, the evil of Satan. And it said he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I've never fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Some of you out there might have done. But it's a great thing to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And naturally, at the end of those 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the devil, the tempter, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. You see, Satan will always hone in on your weaknesses, and the weakness of Jesus is he's hungry. I'm sure he was thirsty as well. So Satan said, if you are the son of God, it's no big thing for you to tell those stones to become bread. But you see, Jesus knew what Satan would do. And he answered and said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
That has disabled Satan immediately. See, Jesus has hit him with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Remember when we spoke about the whole armor of God? We said that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. So Jesus has attacked him immediately. Then the devil thought, I'll up the ante. I'll up the ante. Then the devil took him into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And then Satan goes one further. He quotes the word of God. He quotes from the Psalms. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. So he is saying, okay, you attack me and you say that you will live from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and I'm quoting the word of God to you. I'm telling you your word. See, Satan is crafty. Satan is deceitful. If anyone people, if any people think that Satan is just a monster, something like a dragon breathing fire, then you will come unstuck because he's very subtle and he's very sly and deceptive. But Jesus answered him again. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And that is very true. So what did Satan think Jesus was going to do? Did he think Jesus was going to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple and halfway down, angels would come and gather Jesus up so he didn't hurt himself? That would be tempting God. And Jesus knew he shouldn't do it. Now, the devil didn't give up. And again, the devil took him to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Satan is saying, well, I'm the prince of this world. I'm the prince of this air. What you view, what you see from the top of this mountain, I will give you. But you see, Jesus, remember, said that his kingdom is not of this world. He has a plan. He has come to save initially the lost sheep of Israel. Hallelujah. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. See, Jesus says Satan. So Jesus is telling us who he is dealing with. He's dealing with the top man. He's dealing with Satan. He's dealing with the prince of demons. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. That's it. Jesus has completely disarmed him. Satan knows he's going nowhere. His three temptations, the temptation of hunger, the temptation of testing God to save him, and now the temptation of worshipping in a foreign God, worshipping the evil one, he has come unstuck. Then it says, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came to administer it to him. I'm sure the angels would have brought him lovely cool water, lovely bread, lovely pomegranate, fruit. They would have looked after Jesus. Hallelujah, we pray now. So Jesus was prepared for this battle. We start off, remember, it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But Jesus overcome. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I want you, I want to go back a bit. I want you to look at the Gospel of John. Let's have a look at the Gospel of John. Uh, John 14, verse 12. Wonderful words spoken by Jesus. John 14, verse 12. Hallelujah. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What a promise. What a magnificent promise. You're facing evil. You're facing the devil. And Jesus said, greater things you will do, Greater things you will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, 
Lord Jesus, I ask you now, I'm being attacked by the demonic. Will you deliver me now and will you protect me from all evil? Jesus is sure to do it. For whatever I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Hallelujah. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus has given us authority over the demonic. We can ask Jesus anything. We're going to go to Matthew 17 now. Hallelujah. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 21. A boy is healed. Now, sometimes things with the demonic need special healing. Sometimes people get sick because they catch an infection. They fall over and break a leg. But sometimes the demonic enters them and causes affliction and sickness. And this is such a case. Verse 14 to 21. And when they had come, to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, Move from here to there and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. So this is a wonderful scripture. The man is very worried about his son. When he has an epileptic fit, he'll fall in the fire, he'll fall in the water. So he runs the risk of death, he runs the risk of being burnt to death, he runs the risk of drowning. I remember standing in a post office once, uh, waiting there in the queue and the man turned around and looked at me and I knew something was going to happen he fell towards me and I managed to catch him and hold him there until he came round he had what he called a petty mal which is a small epileptic fit that doesn't last very long but it can be fatal if you're crossing the road in front of a car and you have a petty mal you may fall and the car may hit you and kill you so he knows this is not a simple problem. Now, they went to Jesus' disciples and they could not cure him. And we'll realize why later. Jesus rebuked the demon. So he recognized that this young man had a demon and it was the demon that was causing the epileptic fits. And he cast the demon out and the demon, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples said, why couldn't we do it, Lord? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, you didn't have enough faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will tell that mountain to move and it will move. I used to carry around packets of mustard seeds in my pocket. Uh, Don Stewart, when I worked for Don Stewart's ministries, he used to give us mustard seeds. And when people used to say to me when I visited them, oh, I don't think I have enough faith, I say, look, let me show you something. And I'd break over the, open this packet and I'd put a mustard seed in the palm of their hand and you say, you see how small that seed is? If you have faith as big as that, you can tell that mountain to move. And people's faith used to grow immediately as soon as you told them that. They realized they didn't have to have faith as big as John the Baptist or faith as big as Elijah. They needed faith as big as a mustard seed. So this boy was healed. But Jesus went and told his disciples that this kind of, 
only comes out by prayer and fasting. So naturally, if you're going to do a deliverance, if you're going to pray for someone who is demon-possessed, it's good if you will spend time fasting before and you will pray. There's various scriptures in the Bible that you can read. I always read some of the deliverance scriptures because it shows the authority that Jesus had over the demonic. So spend your time in front of the Lord, praying and fasting. Hallelujah. We pray the name of Jesus. Glory. We can see so the demonic was all over Israel in the time of Jesus. The demons were everywhere. And Jesus had to deal with them. Let's go to our next scripture. Now, there's one set of scriptures we're not going to read today. We're not going to talk about the man in the hill country of the Gadarenes with the legion of demons because we spoke about that before. But what we will talk about now, go to Mark 1, verses 21 to 28. Mark 1. Hallelujah. Jesus casts out an unclean spirit. Let's read what it says. Then they went into Calpurnium, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let's stop you there. Jesus goes into a synagogue, the place where the Jews worship God, and it's noticed that he has authority. He teaches with one who has authority, not as the scribes. So what were the scribes doing? Was they promoting themselves? Was they promoting their synagogue? Anyone who serves God, anyone who is a man of God, should have authority over the demonic. If he has a church and he doesn't deal with deliverance, we, you just go there on a Sunday and you sing a few songs or hymns and you read some scriptures and you praise the Lord and someone walks in that church who's got a demonic problem, the pastor should be able to deal with it. Let's continue. Now, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You see, demons knew who Jesus was. So what does this teach us? That teaches us that within the synagogue, there was a man, for all we know, he may have been a frequent worshipper, a regular worshipper, but he has a demon. Many, There's many things that people uh, get deceived by that a demon cannot enter a church. Demons can enter churches any time they wish. If someone goes to the church who's demon-possessed, then the demon naturally will go with them. I've seen this in churches. In my own church, which I lead, there's people in the past who have come in and the Holy Spirit has told me that they're not right. And I've prayed for them. I've seen people fall back over chairs. People shout and scream. People run out. So you must understand that if you run into a church, you're not protected from the devil. He will follow you in there. It's only Jesus Christ who will deliver you. And remember, the demons know Jesus. They're shouting, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 25, but Jesus rebuked him and said, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. That's what usually happens when you do deliverance. Sometimes people will shout and scream. Sometimes their bodies will contort. Sometimes they'll be sick. But the demon then will come out. There is always a physical manifestation to the spirit coming out. Hallelujah. 27 says, and then they were all amazed. So they questioned amongst themselves saying, what is this? 
What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. They're saying, what new doctrine is this? So they're not used to being in that synagogue and seeing demons come out. So there may be many demons who have lived in that synagogue who come in with the worshippers there. And the people there are not used to seeing the deliverance ministry. I believe in the deliverance ministry. There are people I've been criticised before. I don't mind that. They say that if anyone's born again and anyone's been baptised, they can't have a demon. It's all about our relationship with Jesus and it's all about the lifestyles we live. If people are bitter and unforgiving, if people watch pornography, if people steal and are dishonest in the workplace, if people are a racist and bigoted, then they can have a demon. Sure, the demons will enter them. Now, we're going on to Mark 16, verse 20. This is called the Great Commission. When Jesus speaks before he ascends into heaven and before he's seated at the right hand of God. Let's read this now, the Great Commission. And this is is Mark 16, verses 14 to 18. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. You see, it's the eleven. Judas Iscariot is no longer with them and they've not elected his replacement yet. Hallelujah. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Hallelujah. So Jesus is showing the authority we have if we believe and if we are baptised. Now, naturally, it says, he who does not believe will be condemned. So there is only one way into heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. No other way will get you there. And these signs will follow those that believe in my name. In the name of Jesus, you will cast out demons. So it's no good going to a demon and say, come out, demon, in my name. Come out in Michael's name. Come out in any other name. You must leave now, demon. We command you to go in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Anyone listening to this program now, anyone listening who has a problem, I say now in the name of Jesus Christ, all demons will leave you. You will yield and bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You will loose these people now in the name of Jesus, we command it. It goes on to say, they will speak with new tongues. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, we all know we have the Pentecost experience when we speak in other tongues. Hallelujah. This is the thing that has always not amused me, but always give me wonder. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. If in America there's the Appalachian Mountains and the Appalachian Christians, I think they all originate from Britain originally, probably uh, originated from England. Now, these people, when they have their services, they're all Pentecostal. When you see men with banjos, you see men with washboards, make a great noise on organs, and they really whip up such an anointing in the church. And then you see these people open big caskets and they pick up serpents. And many of these pastors and members of the congregation who handle serpents, they have things like diamondback rattlesnakes in these chests, and they allow these things to bite them. They seldom seek medical attention. 
they will go in a side room and they will get the congregation and elders to pray for them. I've seen these people with stumps of fingers where they've had to have their fingers amputated because they got black with gangrene. Uh, I'm told that sometimes they have drunk things like strychnine and arsenic. And to, I, I've never understood this. I've watched this program many, many times on YouTube and it always amazes me. But uh, I think that they take this scripture literally and they prove that it's true. It goes on to say they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Anyone sick in your own family or your friends, Jesus has given you authority if you're born again believer and you've been baptized to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What I always do when I pray for the sick, I anoint the sick with oil because the word of God says that we can anoint the sick with oil and they will recover. And also it says if we anoint them with oil that their sins will be forgiven them. If we have time, we'll look at that. We'll look at that in the book of James. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. So it says that is the Great Commission. So when Jesus left and went to seat, sit at the right hand of the Father, he left us these instructions. So we don't have to be frightened of the devil. As I've said to you before, I'm frightened of no demon. I'm frightened of no devil. They do not frighten me in the slightest. But I'm terrified of God. Because God can do all sorts of things to us if we turn away from him or we reject him. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Now we're going to go to the book of Luke and we're going to read some of the scriptures that have actually come from Luke. And the first one is Luke 7, verses 11 to 17. Let's get that and prepare that now. Luke 7, verses 11 to 17. This not all the uh, encounters Jesus had, but most of them. And this is about Jesus healing a centurion's servant. Now, we know a centurion is a member of the Roman army. And usually he has a hundred men under him. That's why he's called a centurion. So he's an important man in the Roman army. Let's read what it says. Now, when he had concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Calpurnium, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. So this person who is very sick and about to die, he's dearly loved. He's a man of authority and he's a man that is well loved. Verse 6, then Jesus went with them and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent his friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. See, people have faith in Jesus. They don't necessarily need Jesus to come and lay hands on them anoint, with them, anoint them with oil or touch them. This man knows that Jesus can heal his servant if he says the word. And then he goes on to say, verse 8, For I am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. So that means this man has authority, authority as a Roman centurion. Verse 9 says, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, the crowd that followed him, I say to you, 
I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well, who had been sick. Hallelujah. We praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now there's another scripture I'm going to read right on for this, verse 11 down to 17. It, Jesus raises the son of the widow of Nain. Now it happened the day after that that he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd and when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And the large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he, he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up amongst us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. So Jesus is healing the sick. He is raising the dead. And, you know, death is something that we're all terrified of. And this young man had died, and look at the state of his, of his mother. His mother was weeping. I suspect that the young man was the breadwinner. She was a widow. Her husband had died. And she needed the young man to work and bring the money home so she could live. And Jesus was moved when he saw this woman weep and he said, weep no longer. And he tapped the coffin, he touched the coffin. And the man sat up and the man came back to life. Jesus has power over life and death. I have prayed for people to come alive before now. I have prayed for people to come alive. Somebody once told me that I prayed for someone and they did come alive. I never personally saw it myself, but I was praying from a distance. But death shouldn't deter us. Shouldn't deter us at all. If people wish to come back, if people are being taken prematurely and they want to come back, we should be able to pray for them. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And this, and Jesus has done this now. And he said, as we saw John 14, verse 12, he said, greater things than these you will do. So if Jesus is saying greater things than these you will do, then we can pray for the dead to rise. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And the centurion's servant, he also was healed. In Jesus' name we pray. We go to Luke 9 now, and we're going to look at verse 37 to 42. Hallelujah. A boy is healed. Hallelujah. This is the version that we've read earlier in Matthew of the boy who is epileptic. We're going to read it again in Luke. Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him and he suddenly cries out and convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implore your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. So let's have a look at this. This is said slightly different. We know this boy's got epilepsy, and it says he is foaming at the mouth. The spirit takes hold of him. The spirit seizes him and convulses him. And when he falls naturally, he bruises himself because he's been hit. 
And he says, I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus said something similar as he said in Matthew, O faithless and perverse generations, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. As, as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child and gave him back to his father. You rebuke the spirit. This is some of the things I say. I say, demon, you have no authority and power here. This person is a child of God. We rebuke you, we bind you, we cancel you, destroy you. Get out of him immediately. Leave him and never return. In the name of Jesus, you say it with authority. Believe in. Now, Jesus' disciples never said it with authority. They never really believed. So we've got that version from Luke. Hallelujah, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, we know in the book of Luke, in Luke 10, it says that Jesus appointed 70 others. I'll read it for you. He said, and after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. Hallelujah. So Jesus is telling them, I'm sending you out. I'm anointing you. The harvest is great. You've got to spread the word of God. You've got to tell everyone about me. But there are wolves out there, wolves who wish to devour you. Jesus says, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one on the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things they give you, for the labourer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. So Jesus is saying, make yourself a, a fortress where you can pray together, where you can leave and come back to that house, where you can have something to eat and drink. Stay there. Hallelujah. It says, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to your feet, we wipe off against you. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for this city. When they go into the cities where Jesus is sending them, if they reject the disciples, then woe is them. You've heard it said it'd be better for Sodom. And look what happened to Sodom, destroyed by fire and brimstone. Now we go to 10 verses 17 to 20, because Jesus has sent these people out. He sent them out. They've gone out with excitement. Of course, when you have excitement, you always have the odd doubt that can creep in. If I meet someone who's demon-possessed, would I truly be able to cast out this demon? But in Luke 10, verses 17 to 20, they come back. Then it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus is saying, Hallelujah. Jesus is saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus is saying, I witnessed when Lucifer, the archangel, 
rebelled against God and he was cast out of heaven to the earth. I saw this. I saw this. For Jesus is God. That's why Jesus saw it. Jesus is God. Hallelujah. And the 70 are returning with joy. Even the demons are subject to us. They've gone in households where people are demons possessed. And the 70 have said in the name of Jesus, come out of that man, come out of that woman, come out of that child. You have no authority here. Leave immediately. He has given those authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I suppose at that time, serpents and scorpions were very dangerous things. And if you confronted them, you might get hurt. He's given authority and over all the power of the enemy and that nothing will hurt them. But he says, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In other, thing, in other words, he's saying, do not rejoice for this authority and power you have over the demonic, but rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah, we pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's go to Luke 11, verses 24 and 26. This speaks about an unclean spirit. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes out through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I come. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Let me explain this to you. When you do a deliverance and you cast a demon or an evil spirit out of someone, it's essential you sweep the house clean. And that means if you have recognised what brought the demon into that man, if it be a spirit of lust, he was looking at pornography, if he was gambling, you must make sure that that is cleansed from that man's life, that he's not going to look at pornography anymore. You bind that stronghold, you bind that spirit and you cast it out of the man. Because, you know, these demons are, are going through the dry, arid places because that's when they go, when they're cast out of a man. And they'll want to come back. Demons will always try on a man is a man or a woman or anyone demon possesses very vulnerable when they're first delivered, for the demons will wish to come back. I was once an alcoholic, I used to drink very, very heavy. But fortunately I was still a young man when I realized I was an alcoholic and I stopped drinking and I was delivered from alcohol. But for a short time after that, I used to have people ringing me up and saying, how you doing, Mick? Do you want to come out for a drink? Because everyone calls me Mick, even though my name's Michael. They call me Mick because my ancestry is Irish. So they would always ring me up and say, do you want to come out for a drink? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? I even tested myself. I used to go out with a drink with some of them and I used to have a tonic water or a Pepsi Cola and I have never drunk since the day I gave it up. I've swept my house clean. The demon would have loved to have come back if I'd have gone out with my friends and I would have had bravado and pride believing that I would never drink again. For sure, I would have started drinking. So that's what it, I'm going to read this again so you all understand. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. We send demons to the dry, arid places. We send them there and we pray that they rest there till Jesus returns and then they face destruction and the final judgment. And finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Demons want to come back where they've had a familiar stronghold. And when he comes back, he finds it swept and put in order. The demons will not try and enter on their own. They go and get 
seven other spirits. So it's essential that when a man's delivered, he lives a righteous lifestyle. He confesses all his sins. He repents all his iniquity. And he doesn't get involved with that any longer. Hallelujah. That's what happens. I just want to tell people, there may be people out there listening who doubt what I'm saying being true, but I tell you, it is true. Demons are real. I've been attacked by hundreds of them. I've seen the devil on four occasions. He's appeared to me, and I've stood up against him, and he's gone at all times. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Glory to the Father. Glory to the Son. Glory to the Holy Spirit. We're still in Luke. And let's go now a couple of chapters. Luke 13. And we look at verses 10 to 17. Hallelujah. The spirit of infirmity. Now this is a spirit that many people, even Christians, have. I myself am recovered from cancer. I'm re still recovering from the after effects of the chemotherapy and the radiotherapy. And the spirit of infirmity, many of us have rheumatism, arthritis, high blood pressure. We have these problems. Let's have a read. This is a remarkable scripture. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Remember, we don't see that now, uh, medicine's better, but when I was a child in London, used to see bent over, people bent over all the time. People, as they walked along the road, was only looking at the pavement and beneath them, they couldn't look up to the sky. It was a common thing, it was called curvature of the spine. But I think through better nutriments and better eating habits and us taking vitamins and having more calcium, when I had tuberculosis as a child, my when I used to walk down the road, my bones and joints used to click. And people used to look at me in the street and say, what was that noise? And I had a lack of calcium. And I used to have to take large calcium tablets and drink extra milk to try and remedy the situation. So it was like that in those days. He said, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to a woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. I did this once. There was a woman who lived in a South London area called Camberwell, a woman who came from Ghana. And she called me out because she had had various problems. She had married a man who was heavily involved in witchcraft. And this man had treated her very bad. And she was a very nice woman. And I went to see her one day and, I, and she was bent over on the bed and her back was hurting her. And her chin was virtually in her chest and she couldn't raise it. I laid hands in between her shoulder blades and I said in the name of Jesus you will straighten up now in the name of Christ and immediately this noise was heard and forgive me I'm going to try and replicate this noise it sounded like this <coughs> and immediately she sat upright and she stood upright and she was healed from that moment so that is a spirit of infirmity and it came out of her. And Jesus laid hands on this woman and she became straight immediately. Verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. This is what I would say to the ruler of the synagogue. Why in the six days available to him didn't he heal this woman? Why didn't he lay your hands on her and command the spirit of infirmity to come out? That's because he couldn't do it, you see. These people, these religious rulers in Israel, were threatened by Jesus because Jesus had the anointing, Jesus had the authority, and they never. Hallelujah. 
The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound? He's making it very clear. She has been bound by Satan. This is the spirit of infirmity inflicted upon her by Satan. Think of it. For 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I wish I could have been there. I wish I'd have witnessed this and seen this. This po-faced, pompous synagogue ruler telling Jesus that he's basically committed a sin by healing this poor woman who has been infirm for 18 years on the Sabbath. And Jesus put him in his place. I wish I'd have been there. And I wish I'd had seen the reaction from the multitude as they had worshipped Jesus and praised God for this wonderful healing. Hallelujah. We're going to go on to the Gospel of John. Now, there's in John, there's very few encounters of Jesus with the demonic, but I'm going to look at this one. This is John 11, verses 38 to 44. This is the death and resurrection of Lazarus. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and a sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters went to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you were going there again. Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha was, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brothers wouldn't my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he may he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? 
She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And when he had said these things, he went away and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house comforted her. When they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came to her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? Then they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came up bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. We praise the name of Jesus. He overcame death. He called Lazarus, only the Son of God, only the Messiah, could bring a bad man back to life who had been dead four days. The power of Jesus in confronting the demonic. Hallelujah, we pray. Was that all right for you, Shannon? Powerful teaching Powerful tonight. Te yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Jesus encounters Jesus the demonic. encounters with the demonic. Man. Amen. This is great teaching, folks, right here. Every week with Pastor Michael Kumitz. Well, I'm very keen for you to do the live phoning so we can pray for anyone who needs prayer you know over the over the line absolutely well i'll tell you what we can do i will set that up for next week and advertise it and then if we have some calls we'll take them after your uh, teaching is that good that's wonderful that's Perfect. fantastic well i look forward to it very much let's plan on it um brother michael i want you to uh, give out contact information for your ministry anything you'd like okay. to mention how people can reach you and how they can support your work. Amen. Well, we're at Kilburn Christian Fellowship, which is in London Northwest 6. If you go on the internet, look for Kilburn Christian Fellowship and everything about the church is there. Uh, you know, there are over 60 preachings, a lot of them deliverance preachings that are on the church website. They last about an hour a time, so you can listen to them. If you want to support the ministry, there is uh, uh, the church uh, sort code number and bank account number online there if you wish to uh, give an offering or support the church. Also, I have a website, Christ Sets You Free. The prayers for cancer, I prayed prayers for cancer an hour long there, have been removed from the website because somebody objected to a mere man, a man of God, praying for cancer sufferers. They were suggesting that we had no authority, that only, you know, oncologists and doctors can heal those sick with cancer. So it's actually now on YouTube. So if you ever want to look at Michael Cummins's 
or Pastor Michael Cummins' Prayers Against Cancer. They're now on YouTube. They was done some years ago. So, you know, I'm here, and I'm going to give out my phone number. I had uh, an email from a gentleman from Austria who had listened to the program, a gentleman called Kirk, who asked for deliverance, and I sent him some prayers through the Internet to sustain him. And so, please, if you want to contact me, my personal email is framecummings, all one word, 123aol.com. You can please contact me. And even my mobile number is 07469235351. Please don't hesitate to contact me if you need help. Fantastic. My friend, I want to thank you for coming on and doing these programs. What an honor to work with you. And again, uh, thanks, Sister Maria, for introducing us. And um, would you like to close us in prayer tonight? And we'll see you again next yes, week at the same time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dear Lord God, we bless everyone who's listening to this program today. We pray, Lord, you will fill them all with the Holy Spirit, fill them all with confidence, fill them all with the anointing, for the anointing will break every yoke, the yoke of poverty, the yoke of despair, the yoke of depression, the yoke of sickness, and we pray that they will be delivered today. And Lord, as we come to the time of year where we celebrate the great birth of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, we know that Jesus Christ has overcome the devil. He has destroyed him on the cross of Calvary and he is coming in glory to judge the living and the dead and Satan will be no more. So do not fear, for God didn't give you a spirit of fear but of power, love and sound mind. And pray to the Lord today and you shall be loosed and set free in Jesus Christ our Lord's name. Amen. I say amen. My friend, God richly bless you. Great word today. We'll see you again next time. See you next Wednesday. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Thank you, Brother Michael. Hey, that was a powerful broadcast. What can I say? 